0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 8th of September, 2020. So many stories are defined and include a clear, strong villain, somebody that is the antagonist of the story that is so easy to root against. I mean, what would Star Wars be without Darth Vader, And we think of so many examples throughout literature, throughout movies of the villain of the story. Well, even in the Gospels, we have somebody, a group of people actually that are very easy to root against the antagonists of the story, the Pharisees. And it's so easy for us to look at them and to look down on them, right? We're rooting for Jesus, go, Jesus, go. And then we see the Pharisees and we say, oh no, it's the bad guy, right? And so it's very easy for us when we read about Jesus rebuking the Pharisees. It's so easy for us to say, amen, go Jesus, you tell those bad guys, What's hard for us to do, unfortunately, is for us to look in the mirror and see the Pharisees. And unfortunately, that's what we need to do more of. Because what needs to happen with us is we want to become more like Jesus. But without Christ, our flesh is going to pull us towards being a Pharisee. And so today we're going to read a parable that Jesus tells And he really puts the Pharisees in the crosshairs here. And I think it's one that's so easy for us to read and say, Amen, amen, go Jesus, without thinking about ourselves and without saying, Jesus might actually be rebuking me. And that's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And again, Luke, he tells us the point of the parable before Jesus starts it. He says he tells this parable to some who trusted in themselves. That they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And he talks about two men going up to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee stands there and says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he goes on to talk about all the great religious things that he does. And then, of course, you probably know the story. Then there's the tax collector that doesn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He just beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that's the one who's justified. The one who is declared righteous is the one who knows I am a sinner. And that's something all of us need to realize. None of us get to stand before God and say, God, look at me, look at all of the good things that I do. No, all of us, if we're truly saved, at some point we were the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't deserve your grace. I am not righteous in and of myself. Now, what I want us to think about as we think about this is, okay, who is the tax collector to your Pharisee? because it's really easy for us to look down on the pharisees the bad guys the the, the villains of the story but unfortunately sometimes we act like them and, and even now it's like okay I want to follow Jesus it's easy for us to look out at the world and say oh god I'm so glad I'm not like those people who is that to you is it the, the jerk at your workplace that's just obnoxious do you find yourself starting to think Eh, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. Is it the people you see on the TV screen, on on the news, looting and rioting in our nation right now? God, thank you, I'm not like those crazy people. Or is it your uh, your neighbor who seems to spend all of his time drinking beer and none of his time working on his lawn, which has become an eyesore in the neighborhood? Who is it to you? Because it is easy for us to start saying, God, thank you that I am not like them and I do all the good things, instead of saying, God, even now as a Christian, you have been merciful to me, a sinner, and there but for the grace of God, go I. We want to maintain that humility. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And now it's certainly not wrong when we see people um, living lives just totally against God, that there there should be some level of gratitude. God, thank you that I am not like them. But that gratitude is 100% expressed. God, thank you for saving me because without you, that's exactly where I would be. That's not what the Pharisee was saying. The Pharisee was saying, God, look at me. Look at what I've done. That should never be a part of our thought process. The look at me part. If there's any gratitude that we're not like some of the people we see in the world, it should be gratitude for the grace of God that he saved us because we know we don't deserve his mercy. We are sinners. So before you just nod your head through this familiar parable, I want you to think, who are the people that you look out on and you say, God, thank you that I'm not like them. And would you stop for a minute And make sure that that gratitude is coming from a place of God. Thank you for saving me because without you, I would be lost. I would be like them. I would be with the world. Or is it, God, I'm doing it right. Thank you that I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right. That's what Jesus is rebuking in this story. And let's not forget to look in the mirror. And really, it should be in our hearts gratitude, not about our own righteousness, but what God has done. And we see this gratitude as we end Psalm 105 today. We've been working our way through this Psalm. We see the end. Uh, Yesterday, it talked about the Exodus. And now even beyond that, it talks about how God spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night and all the ways that he provided the quail, the water from the rock. He remembers his promise. Verse 43. So he brought his people out with joy and his holy ones with singing and he gave them the lands of the nations and This was all to fulfill his promise. He was good to the people of Israel. And here they're remembering it in a song. Instead of pride or arrogance in our hearts, what should be there is a gratitude for the grace of God and what he has done, not what we have done. Now we start the last of the pastoral epistles today. The letter from Paul, to Titus. Again, it seems like a younger man in ministry, a pastor that Paul is is training up. And, and as he starts this letter, the first thing that he hits on is the qualifications for leaders. And that was one of Titus's responsibilities was to appoint leaders or elders, uh, pastors in the churches there in the island of Crete. And again, you look at these qualifications, and I would ask that whether you're a part of Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, or whatever church you're a part of, you take time to pray for the leaders of your churches. It's unfortunate how often we see people disqualified from ministry for some character problem in their life. You should be praying regularly for your pastors, and one of the things, you shouldn't just assume their character. You should assume that the devil wants to destroy their character and you should be praying that God keeps them living this kind of life here that we see in Titus. But another thing I want you to realize in this passage is one of the things that he tells pastors and elders to do. Verse nine, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And there we see there is a battle going on over the truth, over what is right and over what is wrong, over what does God really say and what is he not saying? And that is a charge that God has given to pastors. But you, if you're not a pastor just listening to this, you need to be aware that that battle is there and you need to realize not everything that happens in a church in the United States of America or around the world is doing what the Bible says. Not every pastor is teaching what the Bible teaches. And so you need to be discerning, even as you choose a local church, that you find a place that is holding firm to the trustworthy word. And you need to appreciate that there are gonna be times where your pastors, they need to be pointed, they need to say what might sound like hard things to point out the difference between truth and error, which our culture wants to blur so much. So be aware of that battle. And that's something that we see in 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, one of the key charges Paul is making to Timothy is, "Hey, you've got to be the one teaching what is right, sound doctrine and rebuking what is wrong and error." So be aware of that battle even in the context of your own life and your own local church and even as you look out at things. And you need to realize not every pastor is going to be saying what the Bible actually says. And that's why even all non-pastors need to, as we would say in church circles, be a Berean, which that's a a city there in what's modern Greece, the the city of Berea. And it says that when Paul went there, they were noble-minded because they were fact-checkers. They would every day search the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was right. And you need to be that as well. So you can even know, yes, these pastors, they're holding firm to the trustworthy word. And these ones, I don't think they are, because those are important things. Let's end our reading today by looking at Proverbs together today, Proverbs 26 through 29. And I want to comment on a couple things in Proverbs chapter 26. And the first one is what many would point to as an example of a contradiction in the Bible. Proverbs 26, verse four says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then verse five says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. See, that's a contradiction. The one verse says answer not, and the other one says answer. So which one are you supposed to do? Well, that's a great point. And I think if we're honest and we're reading those two verses, there are some times where we need to answer not a fool according to his folly. And there's other times where we need to answer a fool according to his folly. And you see part of the reasons we need to sometimes answer a fool according to their folly. When somebody is just saying something ridiculous, sometimes we need to respond because error needs to be countered. The truth needs to be spoken and somebody needs to respond to the error so that the fool doesn't think, hey, I said that and everybody said it was great. No, sometimes we need to respond. But then there's other times where we need the discernment I, I'm not going to respond because it's not going to do anything helpful and all I'm going to do is get into the mud with this person and it's not going to end well. So maybe that's something we need to pray for is the discernment of when do I answer a fool and when do I not? And I think sometimes even we have to answer a fool and then when they want to keep spouting their foolishness, then we need to answer not. Like we've done what God calls us to do and now I'm not going to debate with this foolishness over an extended period of time. And so I think if you really stop and think about it, both of those verses make sense. And you've probably experienced times in your own life where somebody is just saying foolish things. And you know, the best thing to do right now is just to walk away. Because this person, maybe the person even is under the influence of drugs or alcohol, and there's just no way to even reason with them. And it's, it's just time to walk away. Or maybe there, you know, there's times, no, something needs to be said. Someone needs to stand up for the truth. And we need to pray for wisdom as to which is which. And the other verse I want to comment on there is also in uh, Proverbs 26, where it says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And that struck me a lot because um, what do you think Proverbs thinks about the fool? Good things or bad things? Well, now 26 chapters into it, bad things, man. I mean, the Proverbs has nothing good to say about the fool. And here it's saying there is actually somebody that's worse off than a fool. Yikes! And who is that? Somebody that's wise in their own eyes. Pastor Charlie even kind of commented on this in their most recent sermon at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, looking at James chapter 1 and where it tells us, if any lacks wisdom, let him ask. And he kind of pointed out to us, Um, there's not really much of an if there we need wisdom. And he even, he even said, if you don't think so, then not only are you lacking wisdom, you're also lacking humility. And that's kind of what we call sometimes a pastoral two for one, right? Hey, if you're not doing this, well, then you're not doing this, but we need to be humble and realize every one of us needs wisdom. We need to look to God for wisdom. We need to realize we need his help. Because if we think that we've got it on our own, then we're worse off than a fool. And if we think we've got it on our own, you know who we're starting to sound like? The Pharisees. And so from beginning to end of our Bible reading today, let's look in the mirror and make sure that we're not being wise in our own eyes, being righteous in our own eyes, but we are looking to God for mercy, for wisdom, and for all the help that we need.